0: At loveisrael.org. That's one word loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson.
1: I do not know why, but when we talk about Shabbat, there seems to be so much resistance today from those who claim that they are believers in the Messiah of Israel. And what we need to see is that when we study Shabbat, and this is true, whether we do so from the Old Covenant or the New Covenant, when we see how especially Messiah, how he taught on Shabbat, how he healed on Shabbat, how he emphasized in the scripture the truth of Shabbat relating to the kingdom of God, we need to have respect for the Shabbat. And we're going to see very clearly today, as I read, that we are commanded to respond to the Shabbat truth. Take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Leviticus, and again, this 26th chapter. Now, here we're going to see that God wants to reveal truth, and why? So we benefit from His Word. And the question that you really need to ask yourself and answer sincerely is do i believe god do i believe this book is indeed a holy book that represents accurately the truth of god now if you say yes i believe that then you are obligated now and you have been given the holy spirit in order to fulfill that obligation that you might apply his word his truth his laws his commandments His counsel to your life and that will have serious implications for you in a positive way we're going to study in this time of of Bible study the first 13 verses of Leviticus 26 and we're going to focus in on initially this week the benefits of obedience what god has promised for those who obey his instructions and if it's controversial to you that we are called to obey the instructions of god then then i really question your spiritual condition see when you are born again you become a new creation and i've said this many times that fact that you're regenerated that you're made a new alive in him is going to cause you to have that that desire to obey let me say it differently a desire to agree with god we should be agreeable to the instructions of god and if we're not that manifests a spiritual problem and let me just be very honest with you as i encounter more and more believers i see a serious problem for example not too long ago at our study center we read some scripture and then we simply discussed it and we saw some things that the Word of God clearly said and I told people beforehand that there will be those I've experienced it in the past even though the Word of God says one thing they'll take a different perspective and one such individual i asked him i said do you have any scriptural evidence any verse or verses that you can turn to to support what you just said and he was forced to admit no but he says that's how i feel don't be in bondage to your feelings don't approach the scripture logically what makes sense to you that is the wrong approach the right approach is to come with a very closed mind to the word of god why close this is his truth and i need to obey it regardless of anything else i am obligated to submit to the scripture that's the closed mind that we have to have not to be broad-minded and consider other thoughts let's be individuals that are well-pleasing to God and that means that we become a faithful servant and the only way, hear that, the only way to be a faithful servant is to submit to the scripture and this is what we're going to see tonight and there's many benefits from that. Look with me to chapter 26, the book of Leviticus and verse 1 now we're going to see in this first verse that god is going to give prohibitions that means things we ought not do things that god commands us to stay away from and it's interesting because these verses that relate to idolatry it's not surprising if you do a good study of especially in the old covenant tanakh the hebrew bible what's commonly referred to by many the old testament that you'll see when god speaks about shabbat either before it or after it he also talks about idolatry and the message that we can derive from this is that shabbat applying the truth of shabbat to our life that sabbath day is a assistance not to fall into idolatry and just let's notice what the scripture says verse 1 leviticus chapter 26 and verse 1 you will not do or make idols that's what it simply says now some will say in a command form and it is a command form many times the future tense is used in biblical hebrew and in modern hebrew for a command so he says you will not make for yourselves idols and and we have a word for a statue statue and a statue and and then we have what's usually called a sacred pillar but it's really something that is stood up something that is erected something that is made And it can be like in fact the same word is used for a tombstone in modern hebrew and in ancient hebrew and so it's something that you build you you set up and we see what the problem is because they used to use these idols these uh things that were set up these sacred pillars and he says do not erect them for yourselves and next he says A stone and most Bibles will say an engraved stone but if we do a good study of that word it's a word for spreading things out and what he's talking here is this don't use stone in order to create something to make something in order to do what well this is true for all the things he's mentioned here these idols these statues these sacred pillars Or this unique type of stone i realize most will say an engraved stone he says do not put them in your land in order that you would bow down unto it meaning whatever these things are here specifically this stone why not do that because i am the lord your god and remember this word for god relates to judgment so those who relate to idolatry in any of its manifestations and that's really what the scripture is doing in verse one don't let there be in your life or in your land any manifestations of idolatry now we need to pause for a moment and remember why idolatry was so popular because it was all about one thing you getting your wants, your desires, you getting your way. And you turn to idols, statutes, rocks that have been engraved or, or set up, whatever, for the purpose of worshiping. And you worship this, who will help you achieve your will? This is not appropriate. What's not appropriate? My will. Realize that. This is basic faith. Faith 101. In order to be a servant of God, my will has to be set aside. It's not how I like worshiping. It's not even where I like to worship. But rather, we submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit and be very, very careful. The enemy, hear that. The enemy is a master of deceit. And many times he gets you to believe what you think is right, what you think you have coming to you, what you think is good, when in actuality you have been deceived. And that desire that you have, how that makes you feel what you truly believe is a misrepresentation of the will of God. If we're going to be individuals that God is well pleased with then we need to know how to submit to truth and the problem is this and let me just be very clear more and more you are going to see in congregations people moving away from truth we we see this for example there's a very well-known popular pastor max lakedo and and he has turned away from truth he has apologized for things that he said in opposition to homosexuality and we find that he is embracing things that are against the instructions of god's word now why do i mention him my name because he is very popular and it's a good example and there's many 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 others unfortunately that are compromising that are agreeing with a worldly position rather than a godly position. We need to allow, submit to, and pray that God forms our perspective according to his word. So it's not about our will, it's about having God teach us what is his will. Many times I say it differently. Having God teach us what his purposes are so that we can join alongside and have the privilege and the honor of participating in the purposes of God. That is what faith is. That's what believers are called to do. Now look to verse 2. After warning people concerning idolatry and God revealing himself as judge, because this word Elohim relates to judges, it says here, my sabbaths shabbatot now this word notice it's not simply the seventh day shabbat but it's in the plural why there are a variety of different shabbats in the scripture for example every seven years we have shemitah which is a shabbat year we also have yovel or jubilee and the jubilee is as well a type of shabbat also Festival days are are oftentimes not all festivals, but but most of them For example the first day of unleavened bread and the last day of unleavened bread are treated as Shabbats Regardless of what day they fall upon so as well Shavuot so as well the feast of trumpets Yom Kippur and the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles and that special day Shemeni Atzeret, that eighth-day assembly also is treated as a shabbat so when he says my shabbat my sabbaths he says you shall guard you shall keep you shall and this word has to do with treasuring something as valuable and then he says and my sanctuary now sanctuary it relates to worship but more than that this word sanctuary also relates to the fact that God dwells with his people. That was the purpose of the Bet Magdash, the temple and therefore we see something. We see that when we are people that take Shabbat seriously, we are also going to be brought into the presence of God. Shabbat observance and here again, can we according to the law of moses keep shabbat perfectly today we cannot why no temple there's some other reasons but realize this when we utilize the truth of shabbat and being led by the spirit apply shabbat truth to our life it is going to bring us into a greater consciousness of god's presence in our life that's why he says my sabbath you are to keep and my sanctuary my temple you are to fear why i am the lord now notice if you look at the end of verse 1 it says ki ani which meaning for i am adonai elohechem but here we just have at the end of verse 2 ani adonai i am the lord it doesn't say at the end of verse 2 I am the lord your god why well the reason why there's a different formula here is because god wants to emphasize if we revere him if we fear meaning give god priority and because it says my my temple you shall fear when we give priority and make worship the priority of our life god and notice the name, yud heh for the Lord, it speaks about a God who is transcendent, meaning without limitations, without any boundaries. And therefore, when we do what this verse says, verse 2, it is going to bring us into the presence of the one true God who is able to do, and I like this, all things. As the scripture says, Nothing's too difficult for God. God doesn't struggle with something. For God to accomplish, all he has to do is speak, and it will be. And we see the relationship between the spoken word, the spoken word of God, Scripture, and the will of God being fulfilled. When you submit and honor and treasure and guard and value the word of God, you are going to experience the presence of God and You are going to experience God at work in your life without any limitations, without any, any setbacks. Verse 3. Here we begin speaking about the benefits. He says, im. This means if, if in my statutes you will walk and my commandments you will keep. And you will do them now here's the question is that your objective is that what you're committed to here again as I talk to people from different places in different countries and such I find that all too often when we talk about the Word of God the commandments of God God's statutes people <laughs> many times believers feel This is in the past. I have freedom today. Grace sets me free. Yes, grace sets you free to obey. This is a problem. There has been a perversion, a distortion of what grace is. Grace works in our life, not just to save us. That's one part. But grace works in our life to bring the fulfillment of God's will, his purposes into our life. And the problem is too many times people believers today aren't interested in god's will god's purposes they want god to be interested in their will the purposes they have that they wake up to each morning that they want to fulfill this is not spirituality this is a form of idolatry that has become almost normative among believers and i could say it this way within christianity look again at verse 3 he says in my statutes it's the word chok, can be law as well it's not the word torah but it's a word that relates to a synonym for law if in my law you will walk and my commandments you will guard keep treasure and you will do them notice what he says here verse 4 he begins talking about the benefits of obedience and I, I would write that down i would remind myself every morning when i get up there are benefits from obeying god do you want those benefits and even maybe a a prerequisite is to ask yourself do you believe that do you believe that god rewards obedience if you do then then you're going to want to obey what was the last time you prayed god make me more obedient to your word when you examine your your prayer journal is that is that there is that written down frequently god make me more submissive god help me to have a testimony whereby others see that i submit to your authority that people can see you are the authority of my life. Now, let me tell you, there's a benefit from that because when people know that you are committed to God, not just by name, oh, yes, he's my God. Yes, I love him. Yes, I, I, I write him a check every, every so often. Yes, I go to worship service. I'm not talking about that. When people see that you are ruled by the authority of God, they're going to treat you differently they're going to behave around you differently and they're not going to put foolish things in front of you there's been many times when i know and i've 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 confronted people in love and just asked them you know you don't agree with me on this do you no they'll say i don't agree with you on that that's fine but they do not bring it up why because they know that i'm closed on that that issue that it's a waste of time to enter into some debate and controversy because they know that my mind is closed to that for example not too long ago there was an individual and this person believes strongly that god approves of women Bible teaching teaching over men now can there be women Bible teachers absolutely who should they teach other women they should not teach over men the word of God says that and so when people know that that you approach God's word submissively that you desire to obey it and that you are going to represent his word it cuts down a lot of wasted time People don't want to discuss things when they know, well, he or she, they're committed to this. Yes, let people know your commitment and that it's not negotiable. That's what we're supposed to do. So he says here, here's the benefit, verse 4. God says, and I will set your rain in their season. Now, rain here is in the plural, That's why it says their season there's an early rain a latter rain but most of the rabbinical scholars when it talks about rain in the season it's talking about that early rain that latter rain but in the proper time when's the proper time at night time not during the day but at night time and so most will say that when the people of god are submissive to him it rains primarily in the evening after people are done from their work done traveling they're at home it's a good time for there to be rain so this is how most see i will give your rain in their time and the earth or the term could be land the land will give its yield its produce and let's be very accurate and the tree of the field it's in the singular Will give its fruit so the tree and it's talking about why is it singular and not plural i know most bibles just say the trees of the field will give their fruit doesn't say that it's in the singular why is that important because god is not looking at it in a general way god is looking in it in a very specific way what's the difference well if if god says I will bless you, and the you is plural. It's a general sense. But what about me as an individual? God blesses his people, but does that mean every person? But when it's in the singular, God is saying, I'm going to look after every tree. And every tree is going to be fruitful. God is taking things one at a time, and it's good. When when you count one at a time, everyone's being acknowledged. No one's going to be left out. And this is what God is saying here, verse 5. He says, "And it will be obtained for you." That's literally what it says. "It will be obtained for you." And then he has the term for for the threshing meaning the the produce of the land, the grain it is going to be there. It is going to be obtainable for you until when? Well, most Bibles say the vintage, meaning when the next harvest is ripe. So you're going to have enough of the previous harvest until the next one, until what he says, and that that vintage, that harvest, until when? Until he has sown, meaning there is going to be enough our god is a god of abundance god doesn't give uh, uh, minimally god gives the maximum he is a god that gives and what does the scripture says uh pressed down shaken together and overflowing that's what it's talking about here and he says you're going to eat from the threshing until the time that he has sown and you're going to eat your bread and you're going to eat it how you're going to eat it. Some Bibles say to fullness. It's not the word for fullness. It's a word for satisfaction. You are going to have satisfaction. Your labor is going to produce and you are going to benefit from that. That's what he's saying here. You will have satisfaction and you will dwell. Notice this. You will dwell safely in your land. Now, this is this has significant implications this is important because God is saying obedience to my laws keeping my Shabbat and doing them as he says in verse 2 and placing a priority on my presence through worship he says when you do that that produces for your nation for the land that you dwell in it produces safety And that's something that we want we can use a different word security then he says look if you would to verse six and i will place shalom in the land and you will lie down and there will not be anyone that makes you afraid and he says the evil animals i will cause to cease from the land and the sword meaning war is not going to pass through your land again he's talking about security that god is going to watch over us so it's a principle when you watch the word of god when you value it when you guard it treasure it and apply it to your life and do it god is going to respond by blessing there's benefits from obedience there's that security there is that 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 needless concern about the enemy see this is what happens so frequently people are 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 brought to fear and that fear turns them away from obedience that's how the enemy functions but if you remain faithful to god's instructions walking in obedience then the enemy is not going to have any authority over you that enemy is not going to have any power over you the enemy is not going to have any influence over you so he says there will be no one that makes you afraid and those evil animals from the land I am going to cause them to cease. And the sword, meaning war, will not pass through through your land. And what else? We'll look at verse 7. Verse 7 talks about a supernatural power or anointing that is going to come upon God's people because they fear his sanctuary, his temple, his presence. They acknowledge they put a priority of God's presence in one's life. That's a priority of their life. And they demonstrate that by observing his Shabbats. What happens? Well, notice the benefits. And five from among you will pursue a hundred. And a hundred from among you is going to pursue 10,000. And that enemy, it says here, they will fall. Your enemies will fall before you. How? by the sword so our swords are going to be successful now this is why it's amazing to me that people will have a perspective and think it's biblical that it's spiritual that is a a perspective of pacifism just being pacifist not wanting to ever use violence now god can use violence Now, we should be a good steward of that, but here's a good example. It's going to be the sword of the people of God that is going to slay, that caused the enemy to be brought down to fall before us. That's what we want. Now, we don't use violence for our purposes. We don't determine that. We submit to God's instruction. But remember what the scripture says, there is a time for war and war is making righteousness got to realize that messiah is coming he's coming to set up a righteous kingdom and he's going to make war the bible speaks about the wrath of the lamb the bible talks about the sword that's going to go out from his mouth what is that he's going to speak and he's going to speak condemnation and destruction upon the enemy so let's not have an unbiblical perspective in regard to violence god can use violence for his glory war sometimes in fact all the time it's violent that is the consequences of making righteousness so war sometimes is very pleasing to god it has to be done and the reason for this is because of an unrighteous enemy and that's what we're talking about here verse verse nine and again, many Bibles mistranslate this. They add words that's not there. He simply says, "Ufaniti alechem." I will turn unto you. When we obey God, that obedience, what's one of the benefits? God will turn to us. The obedient one, God is going to pay attention to. God is going to hear, and God's going to work in that one's life. So he says. As an outcome of obedience he says i will turn unto you and i will cause you to be fruitful i will multiply you and he says i will establish my covenant with you now what is a covenant believe i've shared with you before a covenant can be thought of as a container of blessings a covenant contains the promises the good promises of god and the good promises say how god wants to bless us but realize that same covenant as we're going to see next week when we're ready for verse 14 this same covenant can also have warnings we might say the word threats we might say the word curses so if you obey there's blessing you have access to the promises of god you will receive his promises but if you disobey you rebel you reject you are not committed and passionate to the instructions of god there's going to be some serious consequences that's next week but look at verse verse 10 here he talks again about the fruitfulness of the land he says verse 10 And you shall eat the old, meaning the old grain. And that old grain, we have the word noshan, is going to last, it's going to endure. And the old will be before, meaning will last, will endure until the new goes forth. So he's promising here how God is going to, and the thought here, if you look at the commentators, both Christian and Jewish, they will tell you, That this speaks about abundance the harvest is going to last is going to be abundant until you bring in the new in fact if we read it very carefully what he says is this that the old is going to last and you're going to have to take out the old in order to make room for the new so there's going to be abundance it's going to be an overflowing harvest that's what god promises make us fruitful make us many this is what he's talking about. Look now to, to verse 11. And I will set my tabernacle. This is the word. The word for tabernacle refers to a dwelling place. It's derived from the word lishkon, which means to dwell. So I will set my dwelling place in your midst. And my soul will not abhor you now this word for abhorring in modern hebrew if you want to say uh this is gross we use that same root so god says i won't find you gross now what's the implication well the implication is this if you obey his instructions you you do his word you submit to his commandments God is going to turn to you. He is going to bless you. You're going to have security. You're going to have shalom, which is the fulfillment of God's will. The enemy is not going to dominate you. The wild animal that's, that's evil is not going to be in your land anymore. All of these benefits. The Lord's going to give rain in the good season. All of this. And he says, I will not abhor you, meaning I won't find you gross. But the implication is this if you are not obedient to God, you will be gross to Him. That's what he's saying here. We don't want God to look at us and say, wow, that person is gross to me. I abhor that person. It's a very, very strong word. So he says, obedience brings about blessing, lack of obedience, rebelliousness. Causes us to be abhorred or gross in the eyes of God. Verse 12. Now, again, one of the emphasis of this passage is obedience brings the presence of God into your life. Realize that. Obedience brings the presence of God into your life. That's not just a thought or ideal or a wish that I have. Read what the scripture says. Verse, verse 12. God says halakti betochem. Now I read that in Hebrew for a reason, because normally we would say vehalakti, but I didn't say vehalakti. Now the ve takes a a past tense Hebrew verb, turns it into the future or a future tense, and turns it into a past. So it's, it it converts it. Into the opposite in the tense form. So we have a word in the past, but it's not the word halakti. That's what we would expect. But this is hit halakti. It is in the hit palel. Why is that important? Because when we find the word for walking in that unique construction, it's more in regard to walking back and forth. And this speaks about God's abundant presence. It talks about God scrutinizing, God watching over, God looking, God glancing with intent upon his people. So it's God's enduring presence. So it's very important, the verbal stem here that's being used. He says, I will walk intensely. I will walk among you all the time is what it's saying and i will be for you for god he is going to be for us as a judge meaning those who come and violate his word coming against us he's going to go against and when we walk in obedience god is going to judge and that judgment is going to bless he's going to bring a fulfillment of his promises he's going to act as he has promised to act so he says and i will be for you For god and you shall be to me for a people meaning that transforms us and here's the point that the scripture is making when we demonstrate obedience god is going to be watching over us he is going to recognize us as these are my people this person belongs to me he is my son my daughter not in the capital sense there's only one son of god but we become children of the lord the obedience demonstrates that we belong to him and it is an invitation for the benefits of god to be placed upon us now let me pause we're coming to the end we have one more verse left but let me just share with you and this doesn't bother me it it surprises me but it doesn't bother me we get so much criticism that we put, they would say, an improper emphasis on obedience. It, It just shocks me that saying and teaching we should obey the word of God, they want to say that's legalism. No, that is the true identity of a disciple. It is a demonstration of our love for Yeshua. Why do I say that? Because of what he said he says if you love me you'll keep my commandments and let me tell you the commandments if we believe and i certainly do in the divinity of messiah let me say it differently the divinity of christ the commandments of the old testament the law of the old testament belongs to messiah he says himself i didn't come to to do away with it but fulfill it meaning what that he was going to obey it and now his spirit leads us and we're going to not according to the letter of the law but the purpose in the newness of the spirit we are going to and i'm going to go to that verse that i love so much those who walk not in the flesh but in the spirit fulfill the righteousness of the law people don't like that verse but it's in the scripture and it's paul who gives it to us last verse and we'll be done look at verse 13 he says I am the Lord your God which brought you out of the land of Egypt Now notice this Exodus from Egypt is the first redemption I've shared with you this verse that we looked at in verse 12 at the end where it says and I will be to you for God and you shall be to me for a people I said that is the definition of redemption why it is only through redemption that God becomes our God and we become his people. And unredeemed people don't have that possibility. An unredeemed person, God, the Lord God of Israel, is not their God. And God does not recognize an unredeemed person as his people, as someone who belongs as his child. That's what the scripture is saying. So, in order to confirm that redemption brings us about, that he's our God and we are his people, he mentions in verse 13, Redemption. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out from the land of Egypt, from being to them slaves, we're no longer the slaves of Egypt. We and Egypt prophetically represents the world. We don't belong to this world. We are not slaves of the world. The world has a totally different objective and character than the kingdom of God we become his servants we're not servants to them to the egyptians we don't belong to the world we don't have a worldly pursuit a worldly goal a worldly objective but what i hear so much of today within christianity is god's there for you to give you the desires of your heart no god wants to take out those desires that you have and replace them with his desires righteous desires and we find these righteous desires the guidance to receive that and to be brought into that way of thinking having those desires it comes about when we submit to the instructions of God so he's redeemed us so we're no longer slaves to them and he says I will break thee and the word here moat is like a bar a bar that that is around that enslaves someone so when we are not obeying the commandments of god we are in a spiritual bondage when we are obeying the instructions of god the word of god the precepts of god when we are obeying that we are free we are free and we're demonstrating who we belong to. This is what the scripture is telling us. I will break the bars of your yoke and I will lead you. I will cause you to walk. I will lead you. How? This wonderful word, which means upright. And it's a word of saying, I am going to cause you to be established. Established as what? My servants. I'm going to establish you as belonging to me. And you're going to have the benefits of that relationship. So let me just ask you a question. Do you want to be established by God? Being made into the person that he has died for you to become. Let me just summarize real quickly and then we'll close. You are called to serve God. And you'll never become the person that God wants you to be until you acknowledge his absolute, I chose that word carefully, his absolute authority over your life. God has not entered into your life. His son didn't shed his blood and died that that painful death upon the cross and enduring all the things that surrounded the cross in order for you to have An earthly, worldly success. Why? Earthly, worldly success. God's judgment is going to render worthless in a moment. That's what it says in the book of Revelation chapter 18. So we need to choose not a worldly success, but a kingdom success. And the kingdom character relates to the commandments of God. You say, where's that in the Bible? Well, we know that the word Zion, Zion, is a kingdom word. Zion is Jerusalem after being redeemed, after being transformed, after being regenerated into a kingdom city. And what do we know? Well, we know that the scripture says, Ki mitzion Torah," for the law will go forth from Zion the law is the character of that millennial kingdom that Messiah himself is going to rule over I'll close with this one of the reasons why why people take a totally unbiblical perspective and it's growing within Christianity today in within evangelical Christianity and that is amillennialism which says there is no millennial kingdom why they can't get their mind around it because The millennial kingdom is going to represent the rule of messiah and he's going to be ruling according to the law and if you're teaching the laws done away with it has no more relevance it's of the past and if we have anything to do with it we're we're in bondage we are legalists and we're not walking in grace if that's your thought i certainly hope it's not if that's your thought you are greatly removed from the truth Of scripture both from the old covenant and the new covenant you're not hearing the spirit of God if those are harsh words to you I'm glad you may need to be shaken up and begin to be conformed by the truth of Scripture Shalom
0: well we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others